it's Hosey Mark Show and today I'm talking to the guest I've had on before, Mr. And what are we talking about today, Andy? Uh, we're talking about uh, British cryptozoology uh, and also a few possible upcoming documentaries and talks. I've, I've started to do a few lectures and talk. I'll be going to the US in September to uh, Lauren Coleman's International Cryptozoology Conference and also Crypticon. So very exciting. I will be crossing the pond for the first time and saying hello to those guys over there. Sort of doing a, like a generalised lecture about certain subjects. Like a broad overview of British cryptids and um, kind of going into the book itself as well and, and talking about some of the subjects that we covered in there. Uh, so uh, uh, you have to obviously mention the, what we call the elephant in the room, is the British Bigfoot. Yeah, I mean. Um, I, I'm a beloved, you know, I'm a patron of that hairy elephant, and um, and it's actually it's doing very well at British Bigfoot Research. I think uh, there seems to be a bit of a unity coming together now between quite a few of the British Bigfoot groups and different researchers too. Although there has been, you know, some furore in the community for a couple of months. I think it's dying down. I think people are moving past it and realizing that. I'm trying to get off the ground to try to fix that suit. And they've had 
should look in the fossil record, according to the theory, is that they're all stacked together. We don't find it anywhere. And so there's a lot of these certainties that are scientific uh, theories that are, that are painted as certainty and used as exclusion. They, this thing can't be real, but it's all whatever, because we know from fossils, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, it's, it's terribly incomplete, though, because you just haven't found other fossils of these creatures in lower levels yet. You know, you find your living steel can and your horseshoe crab, and for goodness sake, crocodiles in the land. And, and we know that they, you know, according to that theory, that they lived in that time too. So there's the explanation. Things could still be out there. And I think most of our waterways are underexplored. We're not really on that scientifically looking for these, um, these strange creatures. Even in Loch Ness, there's no big scientific um, powerhouse up there. Even though sticky to Loch Ness, there's a few dedicated scientists, uh, some of them becoming very, very aged down, like Adrian Shire and Dick Rayner, been there for five decades, and it's a small operation. It's a huge body of water, and I think um, it's it still the good attention. There may be something there. Well, so you cover quite a few other subjects in your book as well. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I, I'm very fond of the... Um, the Welsh water monsters just because I'm from Wales and um, it, it was nice to know that we had a few of our own so in Tidget uh, Lake Bala they call it uh, there is Tidget the monster of Lake Bala again we're talking of, about uh, a Nessie-like description of this animal um, Lake Bala is a lot smaller than Wintermere or Loch Ness it's still relatively deep and has the river D which is uh, 12 miles from there to the sea. There's other points, but mostly it goes to the countryside, so there's a, there's a small possibility of a sea entry again for this creature. Been sighted many times over the years, uh, occasionally on land uh, as well as in the water, and, and by different individuals that describe it as having, you know, being a black or a very dark brown animal with a long neck, small head. Four flippers and all of the normal nesty paraphernalia attached to it. Uh, I think that's, that's awesome. I love that. But what I love around the coast is that we had the, the Pepper Dot Monster, which I know the CFC were quite closely involved with the Richard Freeman, especially in case those witnesses after the 2003 photograph and sighting in the dock of an animal that clearly looks to be about 40 to 50 feet long was described as having a diamond-shaped head on the short neck and not being like your classic messy description. My out there theory for that particular one was perhaps a monosaur of some kind. Um, of course, I don't know. The picture's not descriptive, and the eyewitness accounts aren't detailed enough to, to really point it in that direction. You've got the um, beast of Bournemouth, um, which is often described as a crocodilian creature. Medium-sized neck and a square blunt head and a double-serrated turret down its back. Uh, that was like an hour and photographed by pensioner Mohammed Tachala um, in 2016. And Avenarin is about 60 miles uh, south of Bournemouth, but the feature description seem to, to match the same creature, so that's, that's the name that they've gone with for that one. The Mersey River Monster. Again, a great photograph that um, represents 
well. Yeah. So for why the hell? Yeah. Most times it is seen, it tends to be a black cat of the a description. I think it's because of the types of pets that were preferred by uh, owners. Those, you know a lot about this here in the UK. Largely, the black panther type, whatever that is, that I would imagine they're mostly melanistic leopards or like cougars or anything like that, uh, or jaguars. Um, and then we have the puma type here a lot of the time, don't we? The tawny, beige, puma type, but mostly it's that black hat. And since there is a high proportion of melanistic leopards and jaguars and things that are wolves anyway, I thought to myself that these were wanted as, you know, cool looking trophy pets back in the 70s. It's all in the dangerous world like after many were released. And perhaps what we've created here is a breeding population of a very rare type of cat, maybe. This melanistic leopard or what is not going to people say panther, that's not a real animal per se, this melanistic animal. I mean, crazy 
in Kentucky, just just I've been watching the aftermath of this event for years. I really really enjoy it, and there's a lot of media and you know product involved with it as well. A lot of filmmakers, uh, uh, as well as it is, it's the comic god, the cryptozoology, that, that's what it is. Uh, so that would be really interesting too. And um, there's a few people already that I've got to know over there that will be at these conferences. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out and um, obviously it's going to be very expensive, so I'm going to have to put the money together and pay for all those tickets and whatnot. But yeah, we'll make it happen somehow and then get there. It would be good to intermix in your ideas. You, you, you'll talk about your ideas there, talk about, and you'll find, as I found, if we're talking about other different subjects that I talk about, there's a lot of interlinkage without Olympic realising it. They're all yeah. interlinked. I think you're right about that. And, um, and even with ourselves, yeah, we, one of the things that's very important for me is, is one, finding common ground with whoever you're talking with, and two, not caring about being wrong. I mean, not being wrong, but being given information that, uh, that's more accurate than your own. That's the only way you learn. This is why I like to post a lot of other people's research on my page, because I'm just one guy, and you know, these are the people who've got different ideas and different research, and I can learn something from it. And if I post it on my page, the people who are following the page can also know more than I can tell them. Oh, he's the best Bigfoot researcher that's ever been. 